Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in. I've already tried to record this once this morning. That's how this morning's going. Because I'm so infuriated, it's hard for me to get my words out, if I'm being correct. I'm being honest. Alex Stovel. I'm sure, or Stovell. I'm sure you've heard that name, beho- name before. He is a Red Renaissance Republican candidate that has been exposed by Project Veritas for being an anti-Republican Republican candidate. There's a one-minute clip here. I'm going to play the one-minute version, not the five-minute version. The whole thing will be linked in the show notes below. But listen to this. Republican Party is disgusting to me. The stuff that they're doing is Meet Alex Stovall, Arizona Republican candidate for U.S. Congress. Yes. I do want to say if the audio quality is better than it sounds like it's on a phone, that's an interview with RSBN or an interview with another media outlet. If you hear another person talking in the low-quality clips, it's someone inside with Project Veritas getting this footage, but this is all leaked footage that they have the right to release as far as I'm aware. The McCarthy's, the Cawthorns, the whole audit bullcrap thing that they're doing. I try and tell people the audit is paramount. Once the audit is done and truth will come to light. Do I think there was fraud? Yes. Okay. But not enough to overturn the election. Mm. But I'm not going to broadcast that everywhere. They want to vote for me just so they can say that they elected the youngest black Republican in American history. Like it doesn't matter what your policies are, they just care about that. You really think people care about policies? In my own campaign is different. Granted, I don't want to seem arrogant. That's why I listen to what my council tells me. That's why when they say go get an endorsement from somebody, I say, all right, cool. No, I don't have respect for Candace Owens anymore. Will I take her donation and take her donors? Absolutely, but it goes no further than that. Yeah. I would never invite her to a Christmas party. So I'm trying to find here really quick on the FEC website. Alex for Arizona. I'm trying to see how much he's raised so far. Let's see. I don't know if that's the exact role. Alex for Congress is the name. Alex for Congress. Let's see here. I don't know. I can't find the actual FEC filings. But I'm I'm trying to find them because I want to see how much money he's raised. Because he is in the same circle as... People like Kimberly Klasick, who raised $8 million to campaign in a D40 district. Okay, he, he's received from 3-3-2021 to 9-30-2021 to $105,000. I think that's the only coverage dates. And he spent the majority of that, like most of that. Individual contributions of that is $96,000. So $96,000 have been grifted from the average American to support this candidate. This is a Red Renaissance candidate. And if you've heard that name before, it's because it's from Kimberly Klasick's organization. If you don't know who Kimberly Klasick is, Maryland's 7th District candidate in 2020 in a D40 district in Baltimore who raised a lot of money. An insane amount of money, and then lost by like 60% or something. I'm not really sure the exact number. But this candidate is running in the Republican Party. And I understand he's he's being more moderate publicly. 
but he's still appealing to the Trump voter, which makes sense politically. But if you're being that open and private, how can you pretend to be a Republican, pretend to be a conservative? And I think to be a Republican, you have to have at least some sort of morals. And it's going to be like, oh, Josh, you're a, you're a GOP shill. It's in the name. No, I'm not, to be completely honest. But if, if he is running this campaign as a Republican candidate, let's see what his platform is. Strong household, education reform, immigration reform. Does he even believe any of that? Or is he running this because he wants to get in Congress and this is how he can do it? Is he doing this so he can make Kimberly Clasick's organization look better? But it's all coming out now. The fraud of a Republican candidate, that is Alex Stovall, is all coming out now. This is the problem with Arsenal Media, which I don't know if if he's associated with Arsenal Media. I'm not blaming them. This is the problem with Arsenal Media candidates. Candidates that are associated with people from Arsenal Media, which Arsenal Media in itself is phenomenal. They do great political ads. They just do them for the wrong candidates. Running a Republican in a D40 district, no matter how much she campaigns, the other person only raised like $100,000 and she lost by like 30% or something. Running these candidates with no morals, with no, oh, how do I say this? With, With no true beliefs, it seems like. It seems like this candidate has no beliefs besides I want to get elected, this is how I'm going to do it. Because you even heard here, let's see, I want to go back to the, to the conflicting message about the audits. And tell people the audit is paramount. Once the audit is done and truth will come to light. Do I think there was fraud? Yes. Okay. But not enough to overturn the election. How do you contradict yourself so much in public and in private? And I think I saw on Twitter that he's going to release a response. Let me let me check that out. Alex for Arizona. I hope the response is suspending his campaign unless he has an excuse for this, which the, no excuse will be able to correct this, in my opinion. About allegations brought up by Project Veritas. An expose on all the people I mentioned in my video to exclude Kelly Ward, Arizona, and real Candace Owens. And he's using the Bible. Okay, <laughs> I'm not really sure. This is coming out, what, what, what time is this? It's just tomorrow, which is being tomorrow, but he released it at one ten a.m. I'm not really sure if he means tomorrow or today. But we're going to have to see. This is going to be an interesting campaign to follow, not because I support the guy. Seeing if he drops out, seeing if he is, if he falls or if he stands up for what he seems to believe in and he actually if he actually stands up for these beliefs. So I'm going to leave the whole link down below in the show notes on my Twitter page so you guys can see this this true the true Alex Stovall. And I want you to think about this and before you go sending money to these candidates really look into them. 
do you think your money would be better used elsewhere? Because these candidates that are grifting for your money, just just like, just like Kimberly Clasicton. If you think that $8 million is needed in a D40 district, I think you're severely mistaken. And this is a D4 district. He has a chance at flipping it. But is this truly the candidate we should run? I don't think so. I don't think the majority of Arizonans think so. And I think it'll all come out in light when more of this comes. Because Project Veritas never just releases one thing and goes in the dark. They always continue on, it seems like. So we'll have to see what Project Veritas is going to... What Project Veritas has left to say. And we'll have to see how that goes. And along with Congress and our discussion about Congress today, former Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows is suing the January 6th Congressional Committee in response to their uh, imminent move to hold him in criminal contempt. Meadows filed legal action against House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and members of the committee on Tuesday in response to being subpoenaed, Fox News has confirmed. As they attempt to investigate the January 6th Capitol Hill protest that turned violent and has led to criminal charges against a dozen of Trump supporters. And we have more to talk about that later. About a two-minute clip from Marjorie Taylor Greene, which is a fighter on Capitol Hill. We'll, we'll get to that after the break, probably. For months, Mr. Meadows has, cons- Mr. Meadows has consistently sought in good faith to pursue an accommodation with the select committee whereby it could obtain relevant, non-privileged information, the complainant states. While the committee and Mr. Meadows engaged over a period of time in an effort to achieve such reasonable accommodation, the select committee adamantly refused to recognize the immunity of, of present and former senior White House aides from being compelled to appear before Congress and likewise refused to recognize the former president's claim of executive privilege and instruction to Mr. Meadows to maintain such privilege claims in addressing the select committee's inquiries. The current president of the United States through counsel purpose, uh, proposed to waive a former president's claim of privilege and immunity. As a result, Mr. Meadows, a witness, has been put in the untest- untentable position of choosing between conflicting privilege claims that are of constitutional origin and dimension of having either risk enforcement of the subpoena issued to him, not merely by the House of Representatives, but through actions by the executive and judicial branches, or alternatively, unilaterally, unilaterally abandoning the former president's claim of privilege and immunities. Thus, Mr. Meadows turns to the courts to say what the law is. I'm going to be honest, I'm not a constitutional scholar. I'm not really sure if he has a case here, but it'll be very interesting to follow. Very interesting to follow. I believe this committee is a sham. I don't think this committee should be taken seriously at all. And it'll be very interesting to follow. The House's January 6th Select Committee warned Mark Meadows Tuesday that it will cite him for contempt if he does not appear. After the former White House chief of staff indicted, he would refuse, indicated he would refuse to testify, just like Steve Bannon was indicted for not wanting to testify. According to Thompson and Representative Liz Cheney, the committee has numerous questions for Meadows about records he has turned over to the committee with no claim of privilege and official records stored in his personal phone and email accounts. Now they're worried about emails. Where was the email crowd when Hillary Clinton's emails were the big story? Where was the email crowd during Dr. Fauci's emails? Now we're concerned about emails. Now we're concerned. Meta's lawsuits come the day after Republican political consultant and normal and former Nixon and Trump campaign advisor Roger Stone said through his lawyer he is invoking his Fifth Amendment right and declining to testify before the House January 6th Commission. Rutgers reported earlier this year that the Federal Bureau the Federal Bureau of Investigation found that there was scant evidence of an organized plot to raid the Capitol. 
90 to 95% of these are one-off cases. A former senior law enforcement official with knowledge of the investigation told Rutgers. Then you have 5%. Maybe these militia groups that were more closely organized, but there was no grand scheme with Roger Stone and Alex Jones and all these people to storm the Capitol and take hostages. Watch, I, I keep saying this. Get Fox Nation. It's worth it for at least one month to watch the Patriot Purge. Watch what really went down on January 6th. Watch how they had a permit to be there. Is it known that they had a permit to be there? Is it known that the cops basically let them in? Is it known that these Trump supporters who didn't even enter the Capitol, didn't even go on the Capitol grounds, are being secretly recorded? Is this all known? Is this public information? Do Do you, my dear listeners... Do you know this? Because if not, you're being information is being hidden from you. Or, no offense, you're not paying enough attention. Please watch the Patriot Purge. I'm not being sponsored by Fox Nation. If I was being sponsored by Fox Nation, my show would be on there. And it's not, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, if I'm if I'm being sponsored, I'd be there, and I'm not. Honestly, just watch it. It's a it's a good documentary. Truly tells you what happened that day. And we'll be right back with a clip from Marjorie Taylor Greene right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. Make sure if you're enjoying, you rate the podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts, wherever you can rate a podcast. I'm not really that much into listening podcasts, uh, listening to podcasts anywhere but Apple Podcasts, but I know you can rate on there. So rate if you can. We're going to start with a clip, a two minute, 15 second clip of Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about a report her office has released called Unusually Cruel. I haven't had a chance to read the whole 28 page report. But I will be doing that in the coming days if I get a chance. Now I want to play this clip. It's about two minutes long. Play clip. Putting to these people being held in custody is wrong. It's unconstitutional. It's a violation of their rights. And it is an abuse that I call on every single member of Congress to start paying attention to. We need investigations. It's outrageous. The American people are purely upset, disgusted, and cannot believe this is happening in our country. And I think all of us should be appalled. You see, this jail in Washington, D.C. has been known. It's had many reports of being a despicable place as early as 1976. U.S. District Court Judge William Bryant ruled the conditions inside the jail violated the Eighth Amendment's ban on cruel and unusual punishment. In 2015, a report filed showed the jail was plagued by mold, vermin, and water leaks. 2016, the jail had to move 200 inmates because of excessive heat. In November 2021, the Marshal Service found the CDF to be inhospitable, but yet people are still being housed there. But the January 6th defendants are being treated differently on a whole nother level. They have been beaten by the guards. They are called white supremacists. They are denied religious services, haircuts, shaving, the ability to trim their fingernails, There's more outrageous things happening there. They're denied time with their attorneys. They are denied the ability to even see their families and have their families visit there. 
they're denied bail and being held there without bail. Many of these people have never been charged for a crime before. Some of them are veterans, and the treatment is unbelievable. They are told they have to denounce President Trump. They are told that their views are the views of cult members, even though these are men that every single night at 9 o'clock at night, they put their hand over their heart and sing the national anthem voluntarily. Imagine a group of men being held in jail with no idea of when they're going to go to court, no ability to bail out, no ability to see their family, being mistreated and abused worse than we treat terrorists at Gitmo. So I can't really, I'm trying to find the date right now that while that clip was playing of when they went to the jail, this jail she's talking about. What was the date? July 29th. So back in July, they went and saw the, they tried to go to this jail. It's standard practice for sitting members of Congress to go into these facilities that are overseen by Congress, overseen by these by these organizations, by the governments, and they were denied entry. They were with the media. The media was going to stay outside, I'm pretty sure. I'm not quite sure, but I think that was going to be part of the plan to let the congressman in. And they were denied entry. This was Matt Gates. This was Marjorie Taylor Greene. This was Representative Gomar, Gomert and Gosar. I'm sorry, kind of merged those two names together. And they were denied entry, and we, we have this all on video with with an attorney also being denied entry to the same jail at the same time. There's a video of it. I don't know if I have that clip. It's kind of hard to show on audio anyway, audio only anyway. But I don't think it's, it's a good thing. <laughs> I, I don't really know how to word this. When lawyers are being denied entry into jails, when the Congress people with these jails are underneath, like based on they're kind of underneath on the totem pole are being denied entry. I don't think that's a that's a good precedent to start. I don't think that's a that's a that's something they should be doing is denying entry. And that means there's something huge going on inside of there. There's something huge that they don't want to show. That's going on inside that building and that Congress people should be able to see that's going on in that building. But they're being denied entry. I'll have to read the report. The report will be linked down below. It's just green.house.gov slash unusually dash cruel on Marjorie Taylor Greene's website. I'm not sure if there's a more direct link on her website to find it besides that. Looking around the website trying to see. Maybe media? Maybe under media? No. Okay. This is this is impossible to find right now. Besides that link, which is unusually dash cruel. After green with an e.house.gov. Read the report. Watch the full 40-minute press conference, which we obviously... It's a 30-minute show. We don't have a lot of time to play a 45-minute long press conference. But if this is seriously going on, and, and this place is so unsafe for political prisoners, that 
that shows that they're being prosecuted unfairly due to their political beliefs. They're being prosecuted because they're conservative, because they vote for Trump. They are being prosecuted worse than terrorists. People who went to the Capitol grounds on a permitted lot, on a lot that they had a permit for, are being kept in this jail. Because they were in the wrong place with the wrong people at the wrong time. And I don't think that they should be treated like terrorists, like like actual terrorists, as they are. And I think that these Congress people should be given access to the building in order to see what's going on in there. Maybe well, this is an eyewitness report. Maybe she did actually get access. I'm not quite sure. But it, it's dangerous either way. And they should have been given access. Yeah, okay, yeah, they, they were. So I'm kind of wrong there. Like I said, I haven't had a chance to read this report. It was Marjorie Taylor Greene and Louis Gomer. They were giving a three-and-a-half-hour tour. They should have been allowed entrance that day. The Justice Department is unfairly prosecuting people based on their political beliefs, but I don't think this is going to be the last that we see from the from similar instances like that one under the Biden regime. Good news. Good news if we had a Republican House. Senate rejects Biden's vaccine mandate for businesses. Another reason we need to stop with these grifting candidates like Alex Stovall that we were talking about earlier on the show. Because if it wasn't for Kimberly Clasick and other grifting candidates, we would have a House majority. And we'd be able to get this passed. The Senate narrowly approved a resolution Wednesday to nullify the Biden administration's requirement that businesses with 100 or more workers have their employees be vaccinated against the coronavirus or submit to weekly testing. The vote was 52 to 48. The Democratic-led House is unlikely to take the measure up, which means the mandate would stand, though courts have put it on a hold for now. The vote gave senators a chance to voice opposition to a policy that they have sparked, say have sparked fear back home for businesses and from unvaccinated constituents who worry about losing their jobs should the rule go into effect. Every so often, Washington, D.C. does something that lights up the phone lines. This is one of those moments, said uh, Steve Daines, Republican of Montana. At home, he said, the issue is what I hear. This issue is what I hear about. This issue is a top of mind issue. As it should be. If you called your senator, if you called and complained about this issue, and you truly, you must have made a difference because two Democrats had to have voted for it. Thank you for going out of your way to light up the phone lines as as Senator Danes said. Because this issue is going to affect generations. And I can't stay on this issue very long because I do want to talk about something in the state of Ohio. State House Republicans pass an abortion bill that could close some Ohio clinics. Ending it off on a good note. Access to surgical abortions in southwest Ohio could soon be threatened following a vote by the House, Ohio House Wednesday. Republicans voted 59 to 33 for Senate Bill 157. The bill original, uh, originally created new felony charges around failed abortions where infants are born alive. But it got an amendment back in October that banned certain doctors from contracting with abortion, with abortion clinics. Supporters said the change made the, a good bill better, but opponents say it could force Planned Parenthood of Southwest Ohio and Women's Med of Dayton to close. The, ball that, the law that SB 157 purports to create already exists in our state. 
Planned Parenthood Advocates of Ohio, Lauren, um, I'm not trying to pronounce her last name, Blauvitz Copeland, said in a statement, lawmakers are using it as a Trojan horse to hide the true indi- uh, indigenous intent of the bill shutting down the health centers and fully limited abortion access in southwest Ohio. Based. Based. Based, based, based. Thank you, Ohio House. If you're an Ohio representative, uh, Ohio House representative out there, Listening to the show, thank you for standing up for beliefs, for, not beliefs, for standing up for your Republican beliefs, for your conservative Christian beliefs. We've heard a lot about some city councils around the state of Ohio denying sanctuary city legislation. One of them in Ohio's 15th district actually denied it when they were a majority Republican board. So the fact that these Republicans in the house are trying to save literal literal children's lives. Okay. This this bill only affects abortion when the infant is born alive. When they are born during an abortion and they are they they stay alive. Think th- okay. Women or not just women, but planned parenthood advocates, pro-choice advocates are saying a baby that is born, an actual alive human being. People say, oh, it's just a clump of cells. That's when it's in the womb. You can say that when it's in the womb. But when it's an actual alive human being, they are saying it should be able to be murdered because a parent does not want to deal with it. They, how, do you, how do you see an actual human being, a person who has a heartbeat, has unique DNA, has 10 fingers, 10 toes, 2 feet, a heartbeat, two eyes, can see, can cry, has emotions. Can say that child can be murdered. Literally murdered. At that point, it's a murder. It's called abortion manslaughter in Ohio. But you, Democrats... Liberals, leftists, Planned Parenthood is advocating for this to be a standard. You can murder your child. Literally when it's alive, when it has when it's breathing, when it has DNA. You can I don't know how you can look at a child, an actual alive human being. Sitting on an operating table. I I I've never been in a pregnancy ward in one of those little tiny little beds with a little hat on its head. It's a yeah, I want to kill it. Can you imagine how sick of a person you have to be to do that? And we should not be allowing that to happen. We shouldn't be allowing any abortion to happen, but this is specifically. I fully support SB 157. I appreciate the House for passing it. I'm pretty sure that the Senate has already passed it. So I, I don't know if I have to go back to the Senate because of amendments or anything. But thank you. Thank you, Ohio House, for standing up to Republican, for Republican values for life. Thank you for standing up for life. My name is GOP Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader. Thank you for tuning in. Check out my website. Check out my gab, gopjosh.com and at gopjosh, respectively. 
We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode for my, our Friday edition. Stay tuned.